Ready All for right. the clap? The clap. I love the clap. <laughs> <laughs> Three, two, one. You usually do the opening, actually. I don't know the opening. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into You Can't Be Sick on Mondays. Uh, I hope you're having a great morning, afternoon, or evening, um, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome. Do you want to tell us what we're talking about today? Yes. Today, Samson and I will be discussing imposter syndrome. We are going to talk about when it's affected us, what it is. Samson has a story to share. I'm not sure if I have a story to share yet. Sometimes it just comes to me as we're recording. Basically, imposter syndrome is loosely defined as doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. It's somewhat disproportionately affects high achieving people, but it actually kind of can affect everyone and anyone. And with high achieving people, I I consider myself in that group. I find it difficult to accept my accomplishments. I find it difficult to accept compliments on things that I have accomplished because it kind of feels like I'm a fraud. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. the whole, the whole definition so to speak. I, I pulled up the wiki page. Um, oh, I did too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there, there's a part that says um, imposter, impo- with imposterism, incorrectly attribute their success to luck or interpret it as a result of deceiving others into thinking they are more intelligent than they perceive themselves to be, which I think is really interesting. I also thought that this other part about mental illness was interesting. It says, imposter syndrome also occur, occurs in context of mental illness and its treatment. Certain individuals may see themselves as less ill, uh, like less depressed or less anxious than their peers or other mentally ill people, citing their lack of severe symptoms as the indication of no or a minor underlying issue. Uh, people with this uh, form do not seek help for their issues seeing their problems as not worthy of psychiatric attention. Whoa, I didn't know about that side of it. Yeah, I mean, again, this is like Wikipedia, and I feel like we've been told that we're not supposed to trust Wikipedia because anybody can write That's stuff. That's true. But there's, there's links to two sources at, um, for this paragraph, so I'm going to assume that it's probably pretty real. I, I mean... I mean, I relate to it a little bit, so... Well, and at face value, it it makes sense you know it makes sense that someone would would do this to themselves if they have imposter syndrome but yeah so I brought up the idea of talking about imposter syndrome with Samson because this week has been a very rough week for me physically mentally just all around it's just been hard and what I've noticed is that when I am having a struggle week Um, with my health, I tend to believe that I am no longer good enough and that I am no longer capable 
of the things I once was capable of, even though my illnesses do nothing to me to hinder my ability to think or hinder my ability to do anything really, except I I get very fatigued and, you know, can't necessarily like walk around as much or whatever, but it's not like my my entire function is gone. But in my head, I sit there sick and go, oh, see all the stuff I've done. It was all fake because this is who I truly am. (laughs) And it's Mm -hmm. like, like, wait, what? Like I'm sick, sick like that three days out of the entire year. And that defines who I am. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Rebecca, like, (laughs) let's, Let's be let's be real here. Do you think that um, before your illness symptoms began to appear, that you had this same feeling of imposter syndrome, or has it always been tied to your illness? I would say the first times I started feeling imposter syndrome was when I was working through my illness and ignoring my illness and still working. And I realized I could trick people into thinking I was not sick. And Mm. that's when the mental gymnastics start where you go, wait, if I could trick, you know, like I'm super sick. And if I'm tricking people into thinking I'm not super sick, what else have I been tricking people about? Mm. And that started like this weird cycle for me a few years back where I started questioning everything, like all of my accomplishments, where I was like, I didn't really graduate college because of my merits. I only graduated because I was funny in class. You know, like I was saying, no, seriously. I was was really, really hard on myself. You know, when, when you're going through health stuff and it's scary and there's tests and they keep like throwing around crazy diagnosis and they're like, oh, let's test for this, let's test for that. Let's do a stomach biopsy, let's do a liver biopsy, let's do biopsies of your butthole. You know, like it's just all these biopsies. (laughs) And in case you don't know what a biopsy is, it's them just like punching a hole somewhere in your body to take a chunk of, a chunk of change. Um, (laughs) Sorry, Samson, don't spit. I let right when I take a sip of my coffee. Oh my god. But yeah, so a biopsy is a procedure where the doctors and powers that be, you know, who are checking out your health and trying to figure out what's wrong with you, they ch- take like a chunk of something and run it through a bunch of tests and it's quite amazing what they can find out with biopsies, but but I would say most recently most recently, my imposter syndrome sneaks up on me when I do have a medical episode, um, a medical mm-hmm. flare-up. And this last one was like a four-day-long mess. And it really made me, like, I was like, maybe I should be permanently disabled. Maybe I shouldn't ever work again. Maybe, you know, like, you start mm-hmm. going through all the those thoughts and feelings where it's like, you know, if sometime down the road I am permanently disabled, so be it. You know, my body can only do what it can do. But what's really hard for me is I will feel better and go back to work 
And like this week, I was getting a lot accomplished because we're, we're dealing with a transition. We're, we're doing all these amazing things. And I'm doing amazing things. But every compliment I got from my boss, I was just like, she has no idea that this is this is just like total fraud like I I'm just faking this like I and I'm building like websites you know like I'm building things that have tangible proof that I can do what I'm doing and I still sit there and go gosh someone's gonna find me out someone's gonna find me out I had to google three things while I did this task like you know I literally now that I think about it I feel like I there was a lot of reasons that I left this job, but I think I left my job at Maine Boys to Men specifically because I felt like an imposter. Like, mm. I didn't lie in my interviews. Like, I did all of the things that I said I did. Uh, I just, I think a lot of it was anxiety came into play. And I was so anxious at that job because... At that time, I didn't know that I had ADHD, so when my boss would ask me, hey, where did you put this paper? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't remember even handling that piece of paper. Yeah. I thought, wow, I must not be capable of doing any of this. And it was so anxiety-inducing. I had so many anxiety attacks while I was at that office. And I only worked part-time, <laughs> and I... I was doing all of this other amazing stuff, but then he would, like, pull me into his office. And this wasn't his fault. Like, he was doing his job, and he was, like, giving me feedback like a normal boss should. And he would pull me into his office, and we would talk about how things are going, and I would forget things. And, like, I was really into kind of the more um, social media side of what I was doing because I was doing, like, three jobs into a part-time job wow (laughs) um basically because it was a small office and it's a small organization and there's like literally there was only it was me my boss who was the executive director the program manager a full-time uh facilitator a part-time facilitator and two interns so or three interns so that's it like that's nothing (laughs) and basically because I was doing so much work and things were like not getting lost, but I just, like, wasn't really following their, like, way of organizing things because my brain doesn't work that way. It just, like, caused an immense amount of anxiety, and I ended up quitting because I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this job. Like, I think someone out there who loves Excel spreadsheets way more than I do is better fit for this job. Mm. And and I was already applying for other places anyways because I couldn't afford to do a part-time job um at $15 an hour anyways yeah. so you make a really good point especially with when the imposter syndrome is creeping in on top of like you said you did not know that you had ADHD yet you did not know mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that's kind of what was causing some of the anxiety and then so you put anxiety on top of this syndrome that makes you doubt what you're capable of it's yeah. really it's really easy to lose that confidence in your skill set. I know how skilled you are. Like, okay, so maybe Excel is not like your competency of mm-hmm. genius, but you are so skilled and they probably saw that in you. But then this type of job was just tearing yeah. you apart because you felt like you were a fraud yeah. in it, right? Like you felt and it's it's just so interesting because I I recently started a new career, you know, full change, Mm -hmm. you know, going from government, going from law enforcement, 
full change into private sector startup business situation. And I have feelings like that where I'll be doing things and and acting as an authority on something that I have very little experience in, but like I do have confidence in it. But then I start to think, oh God, this this is something people are going to find out that I don't really know mm-hmm. this or even though mm-hmm. I do like I I've taught some classes um, with my new job and people have like hired me as someone to help them with those things that I taught and the whole time I'm like you know it to me certain things do come easy and so when it's coming easy to me and then people are willing to pay me money to do it for them, I almost feel like, am I doing it right? Am I doing it, you know, like, why is it hard for them and easy for me? Am I missing something? You know, like, am I just like, and then all of a sudden, you know, two months from now, three months from now, three years from now, their whole thing that I built them is going to come crashing down because I actually didn't know what I was doing. And it's just really interesting. I'm, I'm really curious, and you might not have an answer to this, and I'll also share my mm-hmm. thoughts on it as well, but when when you think about people finding you out, finding out that you're like, quote, a big phony, as you put it, um, yeah. what do you think the consequences of that are? Like, do you fear that, like, you're going to lose your job or that there will be, like, repercussions? Like, what's the fear? What happens in your mind after they find out? Well, in my mind, they big a, they dig a big hole in the middle of town and they throw me into it. And then everyone just walks by and yells phony and points at me. No, just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say, that's um, really... Your face. I, like, <laughs> no. I wasn't... You were so genuine in your I concern. wasn't going to judge you on it. I was... I was... If that was really your fear, I would have been, you know, there to reassure you that no one's doing so, that. Not since, you know... the. 1600s yes 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 it feels Um, like a public square stoning so yes that's kind of what I was going for in my in my (laughs) thought process my joke thought process so I I don't ever really get to that point because once I start going there in my head where it's like oh I'm gonna be found out and then I start thinking things like, okay, if I'm found out and I lose this, like, you know, I do the what if mm-hmm, train, mm-hmm. right? Because I am a narcissist, I never really have repercussions that are that bad <laughs> because I think very highly of oh, myself. And yeah, so there's like this this duality you know like the angel demon on the shoulder type thing where there's the one voice that's like you are an imposter they're gonna find you out and then the other voice is like fuck that you're great you're the best like you know everything and so you know sometimes one voice is stronger than the other but I kind of always feel like okay worst case scenario I lose my job my community thinks I'm a fraud word of mouth gets around but then it's like, okay, now I can take the show on the road <laughs> and tell the story. You know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a a teachable moment that can turn into yeah. content. You know, like it's kind of, I don't know why my mind does that. I never really think, you know, it would totally suck to lose the job I have because of some weird mental um, gymnastic 
what if scenario that yeah. I've made up um, because I absolutely love what I'm doing right now. But I just, I still know that one, I am good at what I do. Like I, I can kind of talk myself back into, you know, like I, I have the job I have for a reason. I'm skilled and, and I am able to do these things. I just sometimes mm-hmm. doubt it. And I sometimes think that there's me in this little bubble of knowing what I know how to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's this bigger bubble that surrounds me of people who think who think very highly of me and who, who want to hire me and who want all these things from me. And when I think of how big that bubble is compared to my knowledge bubble, it sometimes makes me think maybe I, I can't I can't live up to that mm. expectation. But the reality is, is there's that many people affected by my abilities and skill set because I'm doing right. it, because they see that I'm doing it. And so I guess I say all of that to encourage those of you who who are becoming experts in your field, who are learning something, learning a new skill, just know that you learning that, even in the smallest capacity, you can still use that skill and not be a fraud. I would specifically like to speak to the people who have ADHD. Um, There's like two things that are going Mm -hmm. through my mind as we talk about imposter syndrome. And one of them is um, rejection sensitivity dysphoria which uh, if you haven't heard of it, it's, you know, I tried to look up a definition and I couldn't, the ones that I was looking at kind of like really simplified it in a way that I didn't like. So I'm just going to speak to my own experience. Mm. Um, It's this feeling that everyone around you just doesn't like you and they're always ready to reject you in some way. So for me in work, it's my boss is always going to fire me. If I fuck up a little bit, Mm. I'm fired. That's the end of my career. You know, with interpersonal relationships, with like family, friends, relationships, it can feel like, oh, my partner's going to break up with me because I uh, forgot to do the laundry. Um, Or uh, even uh, taking stock of how people interact with you um, or, or are just walking around the space. Like sometimes I think that my roommates are mad at me just by the way that they're walking, you Mm. know, or the way that they don't say something to me or the way that they do say something to me. And that's like a huge burden to bear when you're in a work environment yeah. to feel like you're always gonna, um, always gonna be on the wrong end of things. And and so because of that, um, when I was working at, uh, well, definitely when I was working at Maine Boys to Men, and then when I started working at um, at Sarzam, I was in a lot of fear that I was effing it up. Um, especially because some of the things that I was being asked to do I had never done before. And then my worst fear really did come true and I was fired. And they said some really horrible things to me in my exit interview. Uh, A lot of stuff that really ruined my confidence and ruined my uh, sense of of self in a a career aspect. Um, And... I, yeah, the imposter syndrome really flared up in that moment because a lot of the things that they said mm-hmm. made me feel like I shouldn't be in this career anymore. I mean, my, my manager literally said, um, maybe you should consider going into a different career. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Oh, it was horrible. I'm like, that's not constructive criticism at all. That's, 
That's literally just and yeah. it it's hilarious to me that they're like trauma informed, trauma we're trauma informed, you know, educators, and then they say something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the things that they said to me um, was really invalidating to my identity, which is why I initially filed a human rights complaint. I ended up dropping it because the person who is the executive director at SARSM is trans, so um, or is non-binary, and apparently, according to the Human Rights Commission, you cannot. You cannot be uh, transphobic if you're a transfer person. So, <laughs> um, yeah, wow. yeah. When you're in the same protected class, you're not protected. So, um, just a fun fact. Yeah, wow. fun fact about our broken system. Um, so, you know, given all of the things that they said Ugh. to me, I've been trying to rebuild my career uh, in various different ways, and like, I haven't felt confident enough to like apply for certain jobs, and I. I mean, I was really depressed for quite a few months, um, and yeah. I was uh, – it kind of ruined a, a relationship that I had because a lot of the anxiety that I had post that firing was – it was just so severe. And I think um, that I probably would have had a very different reaction had I not have if I didn't have this experience of rejection sensitivity dysphoria because it just feels so much worse and then another another symptom mm-hmm. that I don't think is talked about enough with people with ADHD is uh justice sensitivity dysphoria which is very similar but it's a little bit more about like if someone if you yourself or someone else seems to be like um they've been harmed in some way in an unjust way uh, like you feel like you need to out like seek justice for it um, and oh. so when that's why I went straight to the I literally the day that I was fired called the Human Rights Commission called a bunch of volunteer lawyer like groups in in Maine uh, and called unemployment like I was like like all in the same day because I was so and I called like all of my friends and all of these people that I, I was friends with at work and like told them what just happened yeah. and like yeah, it was it was a wild. I was on some other level that day. I was somewhere else. Like that whole week was a whole blur. And it was my birthday week and it was the day before the election uh in 2020 and it was uh yeah, it was just a wild oh wild time. It was um yeah, it was really horrible. And I was so traumatized that I didn't even want to see my boss in person to drop off my stuff at the office. I was like, I basically just used COVID as an excuse to like not see them. (laughs) I was like, I'm afraid of COVID, so I'm just going to drop this stuff off. And the other thing I was going to say that you reminded me of um, was that usually people with ADHD just have a lot of interests. We're, We're really into a lot of different things. We can find passion in a lot of different things, which can cause us Mm -hmm. to seem like a jack of all trade, master of none in a lot of ways, which I think is true. And I think it can amplify that imposter syndrome because we're like, oh, well, I've only done a little bit of this and I've done it really well, (laughs) but I'm not a master at, you know, I'm not an, I've I've used Excel, but I'm not an expert in Excel, you know, like, like all of these. Yeah. And even the things that I do, like sometimes I, even though I've studied acting, I'm still like, am I an actor? Like, because I also have all this interest. I also studied... (laughs) all of these other aspects of theater uh like i did lighting design and 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 i did directing and i did 
And even when I'm applying for this position directing um, in this theater that's local to me, I'm like, am I worthy of doing this right now? Because I haven't directed anything in like yes. three years. And I do feel it. Like I feel really good about it, you know? You are. I, but yeah. at the same time, that that little nagging voice in the back of my head is saying, mm, I don't know, you just don't seem – you just don't seem like you've been doing enough of this work to really be paid for it and to be able to put on a, a whole production mm. of something or or um, you don't really deserve to have this job because uh, you haven't been training the same way and, and doing all of this stuff like other people have, you know, which is just not true. Yeah. I've been in the last two weeks um, working for this person who does diversity, equity, and inclusion training, and she's working with a company that is creating all of these job descriptions, and they want us to look at it to make sure that the language is inclusive and that their their asks for these qualifications are not excluding people. It has been interesting to read through all of those things and be like, I don't, am I, am I qualified to do this? Am I, because I'm mostly there to look I, I'm like the the trans representation on this on this group of people, uh, and I'm like, am I qualified to do this though? Like, I haven't done diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings. You know, I I haven't. I I you know, it just it's, there's a lot that's going on in my brain that's saying like that I'm not worthy of doing it. And then um and then the next thing that happens is like you know I know all this information about white supremacy culture, and I'm like using it to guide me through these job descriptions and. I'm like, I just got called out for racist stuff the other day. <laughs> you know, like, how am I allowed to, like, yeah. do this right now and then and then still be racist? But that's, like, part of the – that's part of the, the journey of being a white anti-racist. It is part of the journey. And, you know, speaking of white supremacy and some of the traits of that, perfectionism and imposter syndrome I think are sisters or siblings you know you want perfection and as you know and what comes with that is you know in your heart of hearts nothing can ever be perfect and so then you start to tell yourself well I'm turning this sort of thing in this is my work product this is my hobby product whatever it may mm -hmm. be and then you're like, I'm not good enough. This is me faking it. This is someone's going to find out that I'm whatever. And so I think they they kind of feed each other. And so dismantling white supremacy in my life and trying to get rid of certain traits mm -hmm. that are just ingrained into me, like perfectionism, it's it's addressing all the things that come out of that too. I did want to say, so I think I'm pretty neurotypical, I right? Would say you are. I think. <laughs> yeah. And you talk <laughs> about things that I fully relate to. You know, like that that yeah. fear that when the boss calls you in you're going to get fired, you know, like mm -hmm. things like that. But I don't I I want to learn more about the rejection sensitivity and I want to learn more about the the what's it called justice Justice sensitivity. Um, yeah, justice sensitivity because I don't I don't ever feel rejection sensitivity if that makes sense. Like I've never really had that thought before that mm -hmm. someone could reject me or that someone's mad at me. I've had friends and this is really interesting that I didn't know what it was, but I've had friends in my life who would text me and they'd be like, "Are you mad at me?" 
Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, no. Why That's do you exactly think what I'm... That is. Okay. Yeah. And I'd be like, why do you think I'm mad at you? And they'd say, oh, I just had a feeling. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling that you were mad at me. And I used to get mad about that because yeah. I'd be like, how dare you put emotion on me, negative emotion on me towards you? Please don't do that. That's not fair to me. Because now the conversation mm-hmm. is coming from a place of you think I'm mad and I'm not. Right. Like I was... I was busy, like, you know, I was just being busy. And so it's nice to know that that's, that's where that's coming from. Because I used to just think people were, were being, uh, like kind of rude, you know, like kind of like, oh, well, Becky didn't talk to me for two hours. So she's mad. And it's like, I'm not that kind of person. You think I'm that kind of friend, you know, like it it was hurtful. But knowing that that's just a a symptom of a bigger thing, it's kind of like, oh, okay, now I Mm -hmm. know. It took 33 years. (laughs) I will uh, will send you some TikToks from uh, Katie Osaurus. Oh, I like her. Yeah. Yeah. She has a great one that explains, and I'll I'll link it down below as well. She's a great TikTok that explains that process, especially with the texting, because yeah. most people will will uh, the way she puts it is like um, uh, she has these pieces of fabric, and she'll like put one up, and she'll be like, okay, my friend didn't text me, right? And then the logical solution, she'll put up another piece of fabric that you would sew together to this, is that oh they're busy, uh, so that's why they didn't text me. Yeah. But for ADHD people, or maybe just neurodiverse people in general, I'm not really sure beyond ADHD, but uh, people mm-hmm. with rejection sensitivity dysphoria, their, you know, cloth that they're about to sew says, you know, oh, my friend didn't text me. And then six other pieces of cloth come in <laughs> to try and sew to this one that say, uh, they were never my friend in the first place. They were only faking it. Um, I'm a horrible person. You know, they don't want to be my friend anymore. They must hate me. I'm terrible. Like, that's their, yeah. that's the thought process. And so to then text you and be like, are you mad at me is, is more of a, the anxiety from that thought process has bubbled yeah. up so much that they felt like they needed to, to be reassured. And then the way that that shows up in other relationships, like, um, at least for me when I was growing up, I always thought that my parents were mad at me for some reason. Mm. Um, And and usually their, like, you know, outward expression of, like, anger or whatever or annoyance was, like, not at me at all, but I just assumed that it was my fault the whole time. And it made me, uh, it made it really difficult for me to ask for certain things um, because I felt like I, my mom worked from home, so I felt like I was interrupting her work uh, oh. by, like, asking her to, like, do something for me or to, like, help me with something. Yeah, so it's just, like, a weird thought process that now that yeah. I recognize it, I can take a second to, like, not send the text or to not yeah. like go to the conclusion like I can recognize when that thought pattern comes up and I can not necessarily always stop it but at least like recognize that it's happening and like tell myself it's probably not true yeah <laughs> um other people don't think about you as much as you think they do <laughs> you know right like we really I mean, just think about ourselves we're really living our own complex life over here and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like sometimes you know sometimes the text would happen like I'd be cleaning my house right and so I I'm not looking at my phone I mean I wish I was but you know four hours go by and I have all these texts you know like oh here's a funny meme here's this you know from a, a friend and then 
uh, you know, 45 minutes later, a text, are you mad? <laughs> it's like. <laughs> right, which makes no sense. It is like, I'm just sweaty and cleaning. Like, <laughs> I'm not mad. <laughs> and, um, and I think the way that you can support those friends, and I know that it's hard because you want to be upset with them for even like suggesting that you would be angry with them at them for no reason um i think the best way to like support them is just to reassure them like nope i'm not yeah i that's what i do because i mean i used to get upset because i would internalize it and i would go maybe i'm doing something behavior wise that is indicating anger towards them you know that's that's indicating that but then when i realized it was just non-responsive texting I was like, mm-hmm. I can't control when I can't text you sometimes. Like I, that, that just, that, that's not a pattern of behavior I can change. You know, if I'm in a meeting, I'm in a meeting. If I'm at work, I'm at work. If I'm cleaning my house, I'm cleaning my house. I'm not right. available 24 seven. Sometimes I randomly fall asleep and I, you know, it's called a nap and I love it. And I won't text while I'm napping because yeah. I'm napping. Um, <laughs> I, I'm napping. Um, but yeah, so. <laughs> but what's really interesting is when I was working at the sheriff's department and um, a lot more of the deputies who, who were just kind of like coworkers, you know, some of them became very close and good friends to me, but some of them were just coworkers and that's all it remained, right? Um, sometimes they would text me, are you mad at me? And like while they were on, yeah. And I'm just thinking about that now. And I was just kind of like, one, you know, maybe they do have rejection sensitivity or maybe I, you know, like we were working in the office together. So maybe I huffed, you know, at something and they thought I huffed at them. I don't know. You know, I'm a sire. Like I, I'm a sire. (laughs) 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 I can't. I mean, like, <laughs> sorry, that's so funny. <laughs> that word is so bad. <laughs> so ridiculous. Anyway, it's like, I'll be working, minding my own business, and I do this, like, tapity tap tap, that's me typing, and then <sighs> tap, 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 <sighs> tap, tap, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm that kind of person, and so... I remember uh, one of the deputies was on light duty because he was injured and he was working in my department with me because that's, you know, basically when they would get injured, they'd have to work light duty. And one of the biggest things they would do is they would come to Jesus, which meant they would have to do record scanning, which was very monotonous and boring. Um, to Jesus? So, what does that yeah. have to do with literally anything? Well, we named the copy machine Jesus. And so... Oh. <laughs> They would literally come to Jesus and like scan for me all day long. And um This is so... getting more sexual the more you say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just so sorry. Maybe we don't put that in. Maybe not, but I don't know. But Okay, well anyways, I had a deputy working with me. He was injured and on light duty and he came over to my cubicle and he was like, Can you please stop doing that? And I was like, Doing what? And he's like <sighs> And I was like, I can't help that my body needs deep breaths. Like, I can't help that, sir. My God, can you stop sighing? And it's like, I, I mean, I get it, though, because first of all, I, I, I get both sides of it because I am also a, a sire. Um, 
<laughs> I am a sire because I uh, often am annoyed at something, <laughs> and to and to take a deep breath like that is also like really recentering, and it's like very good for your nervous system. So, yes. Like, I mean, it makes sense that you're doing it. It's a very high-stress job. Yeah, you should be allowed to take deep breaths. But I think it's also like, I and it, maybe this person has ADHD uh, if they're one of those people that also has rejection sensitivity dysphoria and, um, and is annoyed by your sighing because I'm annoyed by people doing literally anything. Um, <laughs> like any noise, any noise, mouth noises, like sometimes listening back and editing the podcast is so infuriating. I'm like, yeah. why am I smacking my lips so much? The things we hate about ourselves, like other people sometimes are like, oh, whatever. want to let you know that you're all big fat phonies and you (laughs) all are imposters (laughs) you can't say that to them oh you can't say the word fat are you phobic? you can't (laughs) tell them that they're phonies oh my god fat is not a bad word we're eliminating that as a as a insult um i love the word fat fix another taco Mm -mm. yum yum (laughs) (laughs) oh my god Um, all right let's wrap this up Yes, I I guess I'll just also say, um, yeah, you're not a phony. It's not it's not your fault if you um, have rejection sensitivity dysphoria. It's not your fault if you feel like an imposter. You are probably much more qualified for the job than you think you are. Um, oh, there's like a statistic that's like white, straight, cis men apply for jobs that they're like, not qualified for like 30 percent more than any other demographic so just start applying for jobs like you're a cis straight white man if that's how you (laughs) if that's what you need to do right now uh just have that confidence because and i say that like as if it's a casual thing that you can just do but i know um i think i have uh, a lot of confidence and i still struggle yeah, I think it's um, recognizing the thought patterns and just like stop trying to stop yourself when you when you recognize them or um, finding some sort of mantra that you can say to yourself that uh, that helps. Like for me, sometimes I'll say, uh, you know, this this isn't the this is your mind telling you a fake reality. Mm. Um, you know, something something along those lines. Um, to just tell myself, like, yeah, like, I'm, I, my reality doesn't necessarily always correlate with what's actually happening in the world. Um, yeah. Yeah. I always say my expectations are unrealistic and mm. I need to set realistic expectations. Mm. And so that's kind of my thing lately is what's realistic. The other thing, too, is just remember that perfectionism is Nazi behavior and imposter syndrome comes from perfectionism. So don't be a Nazi. Practice, you know, and if you're a Nazi, getting rid of it. If you're a Nazi, you get punched in the face. So, Yes, on nat- National Punch a Nazi in the Face Day. When is that? When's that coming up? Tomorrow? <laughs> oh, 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 I don't know. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok. You can't be sick on Mondays. You can send us an email at youcan'tbesickonmondays at gmail.com. Samson, what else should they do? 
You should also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so that more people get to um, hear our podcasts and see us. And it really helps, like, you know, the Apple Podcast algorithm. Um, and share it with your friends and tell everybody you know um, if you really like this podcast. And in order to restore balance in the world with hatred and darkness, we hope you have a terrible day. Bye. Goodbye. Let's punch all the Nazis in the face.